Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Good morning. It is so good to see you all. Whether you're here in person or you're tuning in online, again, I just want to reiterate, we're really just thrilled that you spent um, an hour of your time with us. And again, if you're new, don't panic. We're not going to ask you to do anything. We are simply glad that you've tuned in or that you're here in person. And my name is Kristen, Kristen Crocker. I work here at Blue Ridge with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. So I'm really excited to get to speak with you today. So just a little bit about me so you have a little bit of a clue about the person who's, who's talking with you today. I, before working here with our students and our kids, I get to work with our kids as well. I taught in our public schools. So I taught third grade, and then I went on to teach first grade. Absolutely loved it. Um, it was a dream. And honestly, shout out to teachers, right? We could not survive without teachers. But before that, I went to Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Go Hokies today. I hear Omaha is really nice this time of year. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Maybe we can even pray for that at the end. Um, but I went to Tech, and after that, I married my high school sweetheart, and if you know Brett and you know me, you know that he's the logical and I'm the emotional. So you put us together with God and we, um, we make a good team. So, but my favorite thing to do is to, is to learn more about God and just who he says that we are and, and more about his character. So I'm really excited to be here with you today. But we, like Scott mentioned, are in this series called Faith Works, and we've been looking at how our faith actually works, how we have a practical, reliable, real-life faith if we're following Christ that we can rely on. And if you're, if you're tuning in or you're here in person and you're like, you know, I'm not really interested in faith, quite frankly. I don't consider myself a Christ follower. Don't, don't panic. I, don't tune me out. I really believe that the tools we're going to talk about today can be applicable to anyone. So last week he talked about how our faith works. Scott talked about how our faith works when it comes to controlling the words that come out of our mouths. And he even went as far to say that there's actually the sign that someone's following Christ or has the Holy Spirit living in them. The sign for that is if they can control the words that come out of their mouths. And that was really powerful for me. And so this week, we're going to talk about the future and how we have a faith that actually works. We have a God who actually cares when it comes to our future. And let's just be really honest. Thinking about the future is scary. I think we all probably worry to some degree about the future. Think about it this way. None of us know what's coming in the future, right? But yet all of us have the desire to want to know what's coming, to want to know what's next. But the truth is, is that, that none of us knows. The author of Ecclesiastes says it like this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 7, Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what's to come? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. Think about two plus years ago. We had no idea that we were headed into a global pandemic that was going to wreak havoc 
on life as we knew it at that time. We had no idea two and a half years ago that here locally, only our online campus would be an option for Blue Ridge Church, that we would not meet in person for a long time. That was hard. It's hard to not know what's coming in the future. The future is uncertain. It's unpredictable. It's unknown. And I think that makes us uneasy. The only one who knows the future is God. And that's because he is timeless. He's outside of time, like he's beyond time. He can see what's happened in the past while also simultaneously seeing what's going to happen in the future. And that should be encouraging to us. He is bigger than we could ever imagine. But I think the reason that not knowing what's coming, not knowing what's coming in the future is so unsettling and so difficult is because I think we have a false sense of control when it comes to the future. Like we think if we just knew what was coming, we might be able to finagle things or to control things a little bit more, but that's just not the case. But the good news, and this is very good news, is that we have a God who is in control, who is in control of the future, and we have a faith that works, that allows us to not have to stress when it comes to what's coming in the future. Jesus's half-brother James says it like this in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're just boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. James reminds us here that projecting our future so confidently, when we don't have a clue what's coming Tomorrow, that's foolish. So in this passage, we're learning a lot from him about how to avoid discouragement when it comes to our future, by avoiding some mistakes we often make when it comes to trying to prepare for the future or trying to control the future. So that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at four mistakes that we tend to make when it comes to preparing for the future so that we can trust God with our future's instead. So if you want to take notes, I know we went over this, you can do it on the Church Center app, you can scan a QR, to, QR code if you're here in person, or if you're viewing online, uh, the host will send you a link. But learning number one, this is the first mistake we often make. Just tap the blank and it'll pop up. We often make our plans without talking to God. James illustrates this in that conversation that he just shared with us. Now, at first glance, this doesn't look all that bad. They're just making a plan. They're just go-getters. They're like entrepreneurs. They're going to do this thing, like maybe many of you. They've got, their, they've got all their bases covered. They have the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how. They know where they're going. They've named a specific town. They know when. They said today or tomorrow. They even answered the how. They're like, well, how long? A year. 
They've got the what down. We're going to start a business. Why? We're going to hopefully make a profit. And then they have the who. They have each other. They're business partners. So at first glance, this doesn't look bad. They haven't done anything wrong. In fact, Scripture speaks pretty highly of being prepared and and planning. So it's not what they did do that's an issue here. It's what they didn't do. It's who they left out of their plans. It's who they left out of the equation. There is not a single mention of God in this passage. Not a single mention. I'll be the last to criticize. I do this all the time. Maybe you do too. I want Kristen's plans where Kristen thinks best, when Kristen thinks best, right? We all do this. We plan, we prepare, we strategize as if God doesn't exist, as if he's not the one who put the brain in our heads in the first place. We often make our plans without him and rely on ourselves. There's a really, really wise man named Matthew Henry. He's a commentator and a theologian. If you ever have a biblical question, he might be able to answer it on Google for you. But he says this about our tendency to do this, our tendency to make our plans as if God doesn't exist. He says, how apt worldly and contriving men are to leave God out of, the, out of their plans. How vain is it to look for anything good without God's blessing and guidance. In James's example, that's exactly what they do. The business partners, it's all about their will, not God's will. And we do this too. We make plans as if God doesn't exist, but yet we want God's blessing on our plans, don't we? Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, but I, I would guess that you still want a blessing on your plans. We make plans without God. We expect his blessing. But in order to have his blessing, we've got to get him involved with our plans. Remember, there's nothing wrong with planning. In fact, we're going to look in Proverbs, and Proverbs specifically has a lot of good to say about planning. But we've got to have God involved. Think about it this way. Maybe you have built a house at some point in your life. And you're like, yeah, I've been there, done that, not doing that again. Maybe you've built a house and you likely met with several builders before choosing the house plan or the financial plan that worked best for you. That's my guess. You've likely consulted with someone before taking the next step in your plans. Or maybe for you, you're a high schooler in here or you're a college student and you're about to finish high school or college, and you've likely met with a counselor or an advisor, someone who's on your team who's going to help you take steps toward that plan for the rest of your life, whether that's a master's program or a PhD program, or maybe you're graduating high school and you want to enter, you want to, to go into a trade or go to trade school or go to college or start a job, whatever it is. I'm guessing you met with someone and and got their wisdom and their guidance. Or maybe for you, it's a legal matter that you've dealt with with your family. I'm guessing that you probably sought counsel from an attorney. Maybe you took them up on their offer of a free consultation, and they helped you toward your plan. 
So if we do all of these things, when it comes to our decisions in life, if we meet with all these earthly professionals, if you will, why in the world would we not do the same with our Heavenly Father who knows our entire story from beginning to end? I want him to be the first person that we consult with, the first person that we even bring our, our hopes and dreams to about potential plans. He is the easiest person to talk to. We can go to him for everything. And the more that we do, the more that we bring every little detail of our lives to him, I think the more naturally it's going to come for us to bring our future prayers to him, our future desires, the plans that we hope for. I think it will be more natural because we're already so used to bringing every detail of our lives to him anyway. So we need to pray as we plan Remember, Proverbs has a lot to say about planning, but here's one promise from that book that I want to read you. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. When you and I do these things listed here, he promises to direct our steps, to show us the way, to put us on the path that he has planned for our lives. He's just saying, hey, trust me. Bring it all to me. Trust me in all ways. Submit every detail of your life to me. Bring it all to me. I care. And then I will show you the way to go. In other words, get him involved. He's saying, get me involved in your plans. And remember, don't just get him involved, but let him be the first person that you meet with about every decision every day. Lord, I want your plans for my life, not my own. I want your will, not mine. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, that's great. We've talked a lot about planning so far. But how do I know what God actually wants me to do once that plan is established, you can ask him. James says it like this in chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God already knows the position of our hearts. When we're committed to following him, and trusting him and obeying his word, he is more than happy to pour out his wisdom on us. Now you might be thinking, this is all great, but right now, Kristen, the world seems pretty uncertain. Things are changing way too rapidly for me to even consider making plans. I get that. It's scary. It feels scary. Maybe for you, you're hoping to make change when it comes to a relationship. Or maybe you feel kind of stuck in your personal development or your career or your education or with your family. Or maybe for you, you're like, yeah, not really. I don't even have any current dreams or ambitions about changing anything or about directing any of my plans because I'm just trying to get from one day to the next without giving up, without falling apart. Maybe that's where you sit today. I hear you. 
And the truth is, we don't, we don't know how long our current situation is going to last. Your current situation, whatever it is that, that you're dealing with, it could, be, it could be days, it could be months, it could be weeks. We just, we don't know. But there is something that we can do. Even though life feels really uncontrollable, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and it does feel uncertain, and it feels like things are changing so quickly, there is something we can do. We can spend 30 minutes this week. 30 minutes, that's it. 30 minutes talking to God about our future. Just calling out to him like, God, I want your plans for the rest of this year. I want you to show me the path. I want you to show me the way because in your word, it says that you will. And remember, prayer is just simply talking to God. I think we overcomplicate it. We just pour out our heart to God and say, I want your will, not mine. I want you to show me the way. What do you want me to do for the rest of this year? And I'm confident that he will. And maybe for you, if you're not a Christ follower, you're like, yeah, no, thanks. I'm not talking to a God I don't know. Just try it. Just give it a shot. What's there to lose? This is what Psalm 119 verse 32 says. I'll run the course you, you lay out for me if you'll just show me how. I love that. In other words, whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'll do it. Whatever plan you have for me, I'm here. I'm listening. I will do it. What is my future? What is your will for my life? Ask him. He'll show you. One thing that's helped me here recently in my faith journey is to record, to write down my prayers specifically for the future, but my prayers in general. And the reason for this is because I am very Forgetful. Maybe some of you can relate. I hope so. I hope I'm not alone in that. But I am so quick to forget God's goodness and God's kindness in my life. So quick. I'll be praying, praying, praying consistently, persistently about something. And guess what? God will answer. It may not be how I had hoped in the timing that I had hoped for or what have you. But the point is that he heard me. He, he showed me that he's listening. He answered my prayer, but I'm already on to the next thing. I've already forgotten how good and how faithful he's been in my life because I'm on to the next thing. So I've started to write them down so I don't forget. So I'll write, I'll just jot it down. You don't have to write down every single word that you say to God when you're praying, but just generally, here's what I'm praying for. And then when God answers, record it. Put the date next to it that you recognize that, or put how he answered, or in what way. This has been really helpful for me because I am able to look back on a written record of God's faithfulness in my life and on my future plans. Because those plans that were at one point plans for the future, even though they're in the past now, they were at one point future, future prayers for my future plans. And God's answered them. He's been faithful. He's been kind to put me on the right path. So who am I to think that he won't do the same thing for my current, current prayers for my current future? So that's just something that's worked for me. Maybe you can try it this week. Let me know what you think. So don't plan the future without praying, without consulting God first. He cares. 
Let him be involved. Here's the second mistake we often make. Learning number two, we often assume we will have tomorrow. We assume we have time. We assume on the future. We assume we have time, and we assume we have time in abundance. But the truth is, is we don't know how much time we have. James says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? He goes on to say, your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. And then he goes on to say, what we should say is if the Lord wants me to. If it's the Lord's will, then I will do it. And then he continues in those verses in chapter 4. If it's not the Lord's will we are banking on, we are just boasting. And that kind of boasting, that kind of pride is wrong. You might be thinking, well, isn't all pride wrong? Well, the good kind of pride is when we're like, I am so proud of what God is doing in my life. I am so proud of what he's doing in my family member's life or a friend's life. I'm so proud of his work here on this earth. Bad pride is when we're assuming on ourselves, right? We're assuming that, that we know better than others or that we're better than others. Or we assume that we know better than God. Or we assume when it comes to time, we assume we have tomorrow. We assume we have next week. So we live recklessly in the now, in the today, in the time that we've been given. But the truth is that we cannot predict tomorrow. We don't, we don't know how much time we have. And then he goes on to say the second reason we shouldn't assume that we have time is because our time here is quick. Our time here on earth is temporary. It's here like the fog, and then the next thing we know, it's gone. I don't know if you know this, but the average lifespan is about 78.6 years. If you think about it, that's really not that much time, and it goes so quickly. But I'm going to break that down further. That is 28,689 days. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. You know how quickly the years go by. Speaking of which, we have 688,000 hours in that average lifespan. What if we started living that way? What if we started living in the sense that, oh, wow, this is one of my hours. Like, this is one of my 688,000 hours minus however many years I've already been alive. I think it would change the way that we lived our day-to-day -day lives. And remember, that's just the average. Some will live much longer, some, some shorter. But the point is, is that we have no guarantee of tomorrow. And this life right here on earth, this is a trial run for eternity. This is preparing us for our eternal lives. Paul speaks of the importance for, prep, for preparing for eternity like this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he's writing to Timothy and he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That verse is saying that what we do on this earth today that's in line with God's will and God's kingdom, that 
is what will matter for eternity. That is what really counts. No amount of exercise or physical training or self-help or earthly goals, no amount of that can equate to godliness when it comes to preparing for our future. Now, side note, I'm not shaming any of those things. I love to exercise. I love to to see a cool self-help book. But when it comes to our time here on earth, knowing that it's limited, what matters is how we prepare for the future and how we prepare for our future and eternity. And the best way to do that is to pursue godliness. What is godliness? To become more like God's son, to become more like Jesus, to point people to him. And when we're obedient and we follow in the example that Jesus set for us, when it comes to every decision being for the glory of God, that is pursuing godliness. That is an awesome way to prepare for the future. So we pray while we're planning. Plans are good. We don't waste time. We don't assume we have time in abundance. We don't assume we know better than God. And then we live in today and we make it count, keeping God at the center. And the time that we do get, we get it in pieces, don't we? We get it in segments, in chunks. And thank goodness, think about it. What if God just served you your 78.6 years all at once on a platter and said, here you go, (laughs) good luck. That would be terrifying. We would be able to see every single thing that was going to happen in our lives all at once. No, thank you. God is so kind to not do that. Instead, he has our future under control and we can trust that. And in the meantime, take it one day at a time. I think we'd give up if we knew it all at once. And it would cause us just to worry and worry and worry. And Jesus says this about worry in Matthew 6, verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's Jesus talking. And he's saying, stop borrowing trouble. Stop borrowing trouble. Stop looking at next week and freaking out about next week if we don't even know for sure what next week is going to bring. The only thing we know is what we're seeing today. So stop borrowing trouble. In fact, if you think about worry, the only thing that worry, actually worry doesn't do anything if you really boil it down. Worry cannot change the past, and it cannot control the future. It only messes up today. That's all it can do, and it gives us a false sense of control. But remember, God is in control, and he gives us just enough grace, just enough grace to get from day to day to day because he loves us so much. In the Lord's Prayer in Scripture, it actually says, give us this day our daily bread. (laughs) Not our weekly bread or our monthly bread or yearly bread. Give us our daily bread, God. Give me what I need today. And he will. And that leads us to learning number three. We do the opposite of this. I need to take life one day at a time. One day at a time. We can all do this. This is not impossible. Yes, we can pray and we can plan and look toward our future with God's help as we've talked about. 
But in the meantime, before we get to wherever that is, we've got to take it one day at a time. And here's something that I think, practically, we can start this week that will help us take life one day at a time. It's this. We have got to reduce our media intake. I'll tell you where I'm going with this. We have got to. I feel really, really strongly about this. Whether it's the news, that kind of media, or social media, we have got to reduce our media intake. And I think the reason is, is because when we are constantly filling our brains with so much negativity, so much hurt in the world, so much anxiety, all we do is spiral out of control and worry about the future. I'm not saying you have to stop looking at the news and stop looking at social media. Social media, I couldn't do my job without it. That's how I reach teenagers. I'm not saying those things are totally bad at all. In fact, I'm grateful for journalists and and people who run social media networks. They do jobs I don't want to. But when it comes to taking life one day at a time, we've got to cut that down. Because what happens is, is we get something called compassion fatigue. If you've never heard of that, you can do some more research on your own. I am not an expert by any means, not on any of this. But compassion fatigue is when we try to care about every single thing that's going on in the world, because we do know everything that's going on in the world because we're globally connected, we end up not caring about any one thing. We just start spiraling and worrying about the future state of the world, don't we? We just start spiraling out of control and thinking, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if my kids are going to be okay in 10 years. I don't, I don't know if I want to take that job because of what happened here. I don't know if I want to try. You know, it just keeps going. And it causes us to lose sight of living in today. And we can't worry about all of that stuff. John Eldridge, a really wise man and author, says it like this about compassion fatigue. He says, because we're exposed to the sorrow of every cause and community around the globe on a daily basis, delivered hourly on our mobile devices, we have to learn to let it go. To give it all over to Jesus every day. Maybe several times a day. And I'm not saying that we can't care. Please do not hear that. I think Jesus modeled, I know Jesus modeled compassion better than anyone else to ever walk the face of this earth. We are called to be compassionate humans. But you know what else Jesus had? He had boundaries. And I think we need to do the same when it comes to our media intake. Otherwise, all we're doing is worrying about tomorrow. And that's exactly what takes away from living the way God wants us to, being compassionate in the way that he's called us to today. We don't want to worry about the future. We don't want to worry about the future. We just want to live in today and not take it for granted. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. That's about as clear as we can get, isn't it? We don't have the slightest clue about what's coming tomorrow. Maybe you've learned that in a really difficult way, and I'm, I'm sorry. It's difficult. We can plan for tomorrow. We can even prepare for tomorrow. 
But really, that's just guessing because we don't know what tomorrow brings. All we can do is live in today. Here's another mistake we make when it comes to planning for the future. This is learning number four, the fourth one on your outline, the last one. I should not procrastinate in doing good. In other words, we know the right thing to do. We know the thing God's put on our heart to do, but we put it off. We postpone it. We delay it. We pretend like we didn't hear him ask us that or feel his nudge to do that. James says, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and, not, and then not do it. We often know the right thing to do, but we don't. And I think we miss out on really awesome opportunities that God has planned for our lives that lead into our future, right? Because we're not listening to what he's asked us to do today. We miss seeing our full potential and we miss out on some of those precious 688,000 give or take hours that he's given us. And the end of that verse says we can actually sin by doing nothing. Usually, we're sinning by doing something, right? We're doing something we shouldn't be. But this is by doing nothing. So when God puts something on our heart to do, we've got to do it. So we've talked about some applicable things that we can do this week. We've talked about praying for 30 minutes, about our future, about the rest of this year. And we've talked about reducing our media intake so that we don't worry about the future but instead, we rely on God for the future, and we take things one day at a time. And here's the next kind of practical thing you can implement right away. We can ask some soul-searching questions when it comes to this fourth learning about not procrastinating. We can ask some tough questions. And these are not to shame anyone. They're not to make anyone feel guilty. They're rather to point us toward God's best for us, his best for our future. So here's the first question that we can ask this week. What is the next step in my spiritual growth and what God has planned for me that he's put on my heart and I just keep putting it off? What is it for you? Maybe for you, it's to ask Jesus into your life. Maybe you've been living without him and, and you're realizing now, wait a second, I don't need to know everything first. He's going to guide me. That's his job. And he's really good at it. Or maybe for you, it's to get involved serving. Have you met the people that work with your children? They're phenomenal. And they're glowing and radiant and joyful. And I think a lot of that is because they're doing what God's called them to do. They're doing what he's put on their heart. Or maybe for you, it's to get involved at another church. That's awesome. If God's asking you to do that, do that. Maybe he's encouraged you to get involved in a group. Groups, group signups are going on now, here. Or maybe it's somewhere else. That's fine, but do what God has asked you to do. Because remember, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're only guaranteed right now. And then the next question, the last question we can ask what excuse have I been using to get in the way of doing whatever that thing is? What's the excuse? I'm asking myself these questions too. What is the excuse I've been using that's allowed me to, to kind of put a halt 
on what God's asked me to do. And I think by asking this question, we are going to be able to better catch it next time it comes up. Next time that excuse starts to creep in, we're going to recognize it and say, "Uh uh-uh, this is something God has called me to do. I'm going to do it. So whatever it is for you, I encourage you to do it today. I'm going to leave you with one more verse. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. What's he saying here? He's saying actions speak louder than words. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So what is it that God's put on our hearts this week that we need to do now? What is it that God's put on your heart to do for your spouse that you need to do now? What is it that he's put on your heart for a family or a friend, a family member or a friend that you need to do now? Remember, we're not promised tomorrow and we want to live faithfully with the time we have today. So when it comes to dealing with an uncertain future, which which we all do, we can practice avoiding those mistakes. We can rely on God with our future instead by consulting with him first and foremost. He's the most important appointment you'll ever have. He's the easiest person to talk to, I promise. And then we can stop assuming that we have time and we have time in abundance. We don't know. And we can stop assuming that we know better than God. We don't. (laughs) And then we can live in today. We can take life one day at a time. Give us our daily bread, God. And then lastly, we can stop putting off what God's put on our heart to do. And maybe for you today, that's to ask Jesus into your life. Don't put it off any longer. You don't have to have it together. Trust me. Look around. Look at me. Look at all of us. We don't have it together, but we have a God who we can trust with our future. And that is a gift. So if you want to do that today, I'll lead you in a prayer to do that. You're just praying from your heart, wherever you are at home, or if you're listening later this week, or you're here in person. So go ahead and bow your heads with me, and let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you for our online campus, the ability to be able to live stream our services and put them on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. God, we're grateful. We pray that this week we would truly start trusting you with our future, realizing that we have a faith that absolutely works. We can rely on it wholeheartedly when it comes to preparing for the future. God, maybe there's someone in here or watching or listening, and they're like, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the nudge. Like, I know I need to ask God into my life. I just, I'm scared. I don't, I don't know anything about the Bible. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of questioning some things. That's okay. That's part of it. You have a God who can handle it. And so if you want to ask Jesus into your life, you're just praying from your heart and you're saying, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for my sins. You paid the ultimate price so that I could have eternal life. And what a gift that is. And so the best way I know how, God, I'm, I'm asking that you would come and you would lead my life, that you would show me the way so that I can start trusting you with my future rather than my own knowledge, my own understanding, God. 
And God, we know that if someone prayed that and meant that in their heart, that there's a huge celebration going on. And we're so grateful. And we're excited too. God, I pray that we would have an amazing week and that we would be reminded of these truths that we talked about today when it comes to preparing for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we have a couple announcements for you. As we talked about groups, the signups are out there. So if you have the Church Center app, you can sign up now. That's a great way to take that step to get involved with a group. You won't regret it. And if you don't, if you don't love this group, you don't have to do that one next time around. You can try a different one. That's the beauty of the life cycle. And then if you have kids, first grade, rising first grade. So they're going into first grade through rising fifth graders you can sign them up for Adventure Camp. You've only got until June 24th. So go ahead and do that now. We still have slots available for them, and we are going to have a blast. It's going to be awesome. We're going to Mountain Lake to do lots of really adventurous things. So sign them up for that, and if you have any questions, certainly ask me. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week, and I'm really grateful that you were here today or you were tuning in. Thanks again.